historic moment. Uh, we can now project the winner of the presidential race. CNN projects Donald Trump wins the presidency. This, this was the moment. This means that Donald Trump will be the 45th president of the United States. This was when the progressive left put our First Amendment at the top of their target list. They put free speech directly in their crosshairs. How exactly will this epidemic of misinformation affect the way a Trump administration carries out his agenda? It's just insane misinformation. 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 They blame Trump's win entirely on misinformation. I lovingly refer to the MAGA crowd as the misguided, angry Americans who are guided by their Bible of misinformation. And then dove into their own plan to make sure we, the American people, never have a chance to think freely again. We're flagging problematic posts for Facebook uh, that spread disinformation. Tonight, I expose that plan to completely circumnavigate the Constitution of the United States. But first, we begin here with a family that demonstrated how important freedom of speech is not just to our nation, but to our homes as well. A family that showed America you can still love those who think differently from yourself. Hello, America. I want to talk to you. Well, I want to start with the Vietnam War. Vietnam War, the 1960s, all of the assassinations that happened, the Marxism, the, the riots in the streets. What healed us? What brought us back? I tell you, I think it might have happened on January 12, 1971. That's the date that Archie Bunker walked through this same door right here. And American television changed forever. This is his house. This is 704 Hauser Street. It became the intersection of discussion where the 60s era, era counterculture collided with blue-collar middle families and some of our grandparents. 704 Hauser Street. It now sits here at the Mercury Studios, my studios, where we produce most of the Blaze TV programs. It sits here. I bought it earlier this year because I felt it was important to preserve it. For the first time in television history, All in the Family brought real topics of contention directly to American audiences in their living rooms. You would sit and watch people in their living rooms sitting and watching and talking about things like taxes, the government, too big, too small, feminism, racism, Watergate, rape. Everything that was considered way too controversial for TV. But Norman Lear decided to run directly toward them. Now, Archie played the part of a blue-collar, tax-paying worker that resisted change. Meathead, his son-in-law, uh, played the part of the, well, I always thought liberal, but no, in watching the series again, he was a leftist, Marxist, freeloader, that was more than comfortable living off his uh, in-laws and staying indefinitely in college. Now, both sides got their jabs. Both made their points. One would win, one would lose. But they talked, they aired it. It was a steam uh, valve that had been opened up. 
It's what allowed us to heal. Something happened. Something happened on that show that rarely happens anymore. And it happened right here at the dinner table. They sat at this dinner table for years and had a conversation. It don't hurt us that much to take care of him for a couple of days. Peter, that ain't our job. Let the government take care of him. But that's just it, Oz. The government's not taking care of him. What are you talking about? You heard yourself. The guy's got Social Security. Sure, 180 bucks a month. Meanwhile, the official poverty level is 205 a month. Don't you see, Oz? The government is just helping old people to starve slower. Well, maybe when you start working and paying taxes, the government can do better. <laughs> Oh, guys like Quigley can barely make ends meet when they're healthy. What happens when he gets sick? Don't be stupid. Ain't you never heard of Medicure? <laughs> it's Medicare. And I saw a documentary about it on television. The way it works out, it only pays for 42%. The rest comes out of the old people's pockets. Can't you see by my face that I don't want to talk about it no more? I want to talk about it, Arch! What's crazy is that isn't a conservative versus a liberal, that is a Marxist leftist arguing against a progressive Republican. Government should do it. Yeah, but how much should the government do? We can't even have that conversation. This is why I felt the need to protect this set. Can you even imagine? Go and watch the first episode of All in the Family and tell me you can imagine just one of the topics being expressed today with both sides. Right now, we get one side of the story. Anything else is demonetized, shut down, instantly labeled misinformation. That's an interesting word we're going to get into. People are vilified, deplatformed, guilted into compliance. Have, have you ever really listened to the lyrics of All in the Family, the theme song? Don't need no welfare states. Everybody pulled his weight. G.R. Old LaSalle ran great. Those were the days. What? TV producer, actor, or director would allow just those lyrics. But what about these lyrics? And you knew who you were then. Girls were girls and men were men. These lyrics are now more relevant than they were in the 1970s. And they have more meaning and more things that we should be sitting down as a family and discussing. But try to say that on YouTube without getting a strike or actually kicked off altogether. Doesn't happen. Doesn't happen. Song goes on. People seemed content. $50 paid the rent. Freaks were in circus tents. Those were the days. How the mighty have fallen in Hollywood. Why? Because they're afraid. Norman Lear was not afraid of other people's opinions. He clearly had his agenda, but he wasn't afraid. Does any of this even come close to what we're seeing today? And with the group think within the arbiters of speech when they come knocking, well, you just ask what happens. Ask people like Tim Allen and Roseanne Barr and John Voigt and John Woods or James Woods and Gina Carano and Stacey Dash and Kirk Cameron and the list goes on and on. How many people in Hollywood have absolutely given up and have been beaten into silence? Well, I can tell you quite a few, especially at Disney. The conversations that happened in this living room around this table is what allowed us to heal and come back together because we all knew one of those characters or were one of those characters and we could laugh about it together. But that's not allowed anymore. 
There is no laughter. There's no comedy. There's certainly no balance to an argument. And I tell you, it's about to get much, much worse. I fear that this is the year, 2020, where we will all look back and say, that was the year, 2024, that was the year the First Amendment was officially assassinated. And the signs are everywhere. Over the past few months, globalists and progressives, radicals, Marxists, they've been telegraphing their punches. Your ability to speak your own mind and to consume the information you want to consume. You know, when I say Marxist and leftist, they're being used. They're being used. They are being duped thinking they're going to be on the winning side. They're not going to be on the winning side. The winning side is a giant government that we'll all be against. A giant corporate monster. So they can't have people speak out because that's a direct threat to the agenda and their rule. The flurry of information that began leaking out as we were preparing for the holidays was insane. And I want to start here. Listen to Al Gore at COP28. To one based on broadcasting and then moving on to the Internet and to social media has disrupted the balances that used to exist uh, that made representative democracy work much better. Because a free self-governing people rely on a shared base of knowledge that serves as a basis for reasoning together collectively. But uh, if you have social media that is dominated by algorithms that uh, pull people down these uh, rabbit holes that are a bit like pitcher plants, these algorithms, uh, they are the digital equivalent of AR-15s. They ought to be banned. They really ought to be banned. It's an abuse of the public forum. Now, notice they're not talking about banning algorithms, okay? They're talking about controlling the algorithms. They know exactly. You just make everybody on an even street. I'm totally fine with that. Any information outside the mainstream media, the approved forum, well, that's a threat to democracy, as Al Gore just said. I mean, didn't the guy invent the Internet? I mean, how progressive is he? Who's the I sound progressive compared to him. I'm not afraid of disruption. I embrace disruption and new things. They are terrified of, this, of the disruption they took credit for because you are even more in control. Take a look at the forms of information right now. The mainstream media, they control, always have. Big tech, social media, they now control. Hollywood and entertainment, they control. Well, when you want to control everything, that makes you a fascist, Al. You're looking to gobble up everything that you don't have full control of yet. Well, that's why I started in the disruptive period of 2010 or 11, Blaze TV. The Daily Wire quickly followed, and a few others. Why are we under attack? Because they fear us. Because they don't actually fear us. They fear that we'll tell you to think for yourself, and you can't have that. We'll tell you. Sit down at the dinner table with the people you disagree with and have conversations. But base them in fact. That should tell you everything you need to know about these people. 
They don't control us. Hopefully they never will. And they won't unless they control you. So that makes tonight's show really important because the attack on free speech has moved well beyond fear of the uncontrollable. Tonight, I'm going to show you how the assassination of the First Amendment has gone dirty. I want to start here. Listen to this from the U.S. government's head of CISA. That's Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency. The most important critical infrastructure that, excuse me, critical infrastructure there is, is our cognitive infrastructure. And so building that resilience is, you know, part of the mission set in my view. So the government is now protecting cognitive infrastructure. That's Jen Easterly. She was the head of U.S. cybersecurity, still is. She's just casually identifying cognitive infrastructure. You know what that is? Your brain, my brain, how we think that they're now protecting cognitive infrastructure. When did that happen? Whenever. Put bluntly, all of the systems, all of the programs, all of the methods, all of the teachers, all of the universities, absolutely everything that is used to control how people like you and I think. They're not teaching you how to find answers anymore. They're only teaching you the answer, their answer. We have to be taught to think, not what to think. They're going the opposite direction. They're telling you not to think. They're building infrastructure right now to reprogram how you process information. I take that back. They're not building it. It's built. It's happening to keep you from thinking as an individual and instead, as Al Gore said, think for the collective. Now, later on in the show, I'm going to show you how they're already doing it. It's scary. Um, it's been in the process for years. You'll never guess when this started. Even scarier, it's designed to operate without you ever knowing what's happening. But thank God for some whistleblowers. Will America pay attention? Now, that's part one. Part two is sweeping legislation on the international level that is now coming top down directly from the United Nations. And the plan, this sounds crazy, usurp the Constitution, ours and all other nations, with legal framework that they are drafting. I'm not going to just tell you that. I'm going to show you the documents. The U.N. has been busy doing this for some time now. In some cases, they're already partnered with American big tech companies to censor information. Don't believe me? Here she is, Melissa Fleming, the U.N. Undersecretary General for Global Communications, speaking at the World Economic Forum. Watch this. We partnered with Google, for example. If you Google climate change, you will, at the top of your search, you will get all kinds of U.N. resources. We started this partnership when we were shocked to see that when we Googled climate change, we were getting incredibly distorted uh, information right at the top. So we, we're becoming much more proactive. Um, you know, we own the science and we think that the world, you know, should know it. There's so much to unpack there. Um, the UN just partnered with Google to do what is literally a cognitive psyop on the American public. We know ephemeral information, things that just come as a search. You know if we take 10 different voters, and they're all planning on voting one way, if you just change the search results, you can convince 8 of the 10 to go the other way. That's mind control. They're, they're trying to control you. 
And there's no other way around this mind control when they're doing it because they, quote, own the science and they want you to know it. Let me put it another way. Shut up, know your place, bow to the owners of science. Don't question the science. Notice she didn't say our science is true, our science is accurate. Instead, it's we own the science. Wow, that's quite a statement. These are the people combating misinformation under the banner of international law. And get ready because it's about to really roar. But how does it get done in a country like the United States? How could somebody like Joe Biden and the progressives weaponize against things like free speech and even guns when we have Constitution and the Bill of Rights? Well, let me show you. This is where a few words that I'm absolutely sick of come into play. And I'm sick of them because people don't know really what they are. First one, stakeholder. Okay. And public-private partnership. These both go hand in hand. So what is a stakeholder? Well, I'll tell you here in just a second. Public, that's the government. And this is business. Public-private partnership. The government should never be. Why are so many liberals and progressives suddenly they hate corporations, but suddenly they're in love with it because they partner with the government? They might think the government is going to bring them down and hold them. I can guarantee you these people are going to be running the government. They already are. Stakeholder. Stakeholder. This means everybody has a dog in the fight for any given issue. For example, let's talk just about Facebook, okay? Are you a stakeholder in Facebook? Well, kind of. I mean, you are part of it, but that's really not what they're doing. Woven in between the multiple stops along the, uh, the entire thing are stakeholders. Facebook has a partner, Amazon Cloud Service. Uh, I'm guessing I'm making these up, but Google Ads, that's another partner. They have sponsors. Those people have the banks that they're responsible. Uh, insurance companies, lawyers, name it. Everybody has a stake in this company. That's the way public-private partnerships work. So you have all of these people and all of these individual companies all have another public-private partnership with the U.S. government or the global government. Now, let me make this clear. The government should not be in any business, period. But they are. But we have something in the U.S. Constitution that stops any kind of shenanigans here. And that is the Bill of Rights. Okay? The Bill of Rights. That's what's supposed to stand between these two things. Keeping them separate. There are things the government cannot do. If you choose to do business with those, with those businesses and they want to take your right of privacy, uh, uh, privacy away, that's fine. But if they ever really violate things, then you can run to the government. But if the government is in bed with those companies, who do you call when things go wrong? Who's the arbiter of right and wrong? All of these stakeholders, they have a collected interest. Now listen. Facebook makes a decision. People don't like it. Well, then Amazon might get pressure here and say, you know, what are you doing helping Facebook? 
Google ads. What are the sponsors doing with Facebook? The banks can cut off their money. This is the problem. If you don't think that's not happening with Elon Musk, you're sadly mistaken. And do you think if Elon Musk would have played the game, if he would have just said, yeah, I'm with all of this stuff, do you think he'd be in trouble like he is now? They're threatening his banks. The government is threatening him. Sponsors are threatening. It's not disconnected. It's public-private partnerships and stakeholders. It is an entirely new kind of capitalism. How many times have you heard the Biden administration invoke the words public-private partnership? There's a really specific reason for that. The government invokes those words every time they cannot do something because of the Bill of Rights. They might want to censor speech, but the First Amendment doesn't let them. So they partner with Google, Facebook, and Twitter, and then just urge them to do it. Put it another way, the government invokes stakeholders and public-private partnerships every time they want to do something unconstitutional. This is the rationale, empowering the gravest assault on American free speech we've ever seen. But now let me take you a step further, places where you probably didn't know. I'm going to show you an organization that is actively working on undermining our First Amendment right now. Here's a quote from a whistleblower on whether they worried about the First Amendment violations. Quote, they did not. The ethos was that if you get away with it, it's legal. And there were no First Amendment concerns because we have a public-private partnership. That's the word they use to disguise those concerns. Public people can do things public servants can't do. Public servants can provide leadership and coordination for the private sector. Right? Wait until you see it in operation back in a minute. If you haven't been paying attention now to the news, um, I, I can't help you. Drug shortages have hit a new record high just last month. Right now, there are 295 vital medications that are not readily, readily available everywhere they should be in this country. It's like a medicinal desert. That includes some really life-saving and basic things like amoxicillin. So... Ask yourself this question, what happens when you or somebody you love needs one of those medications and it's just not there? Uh, how about my, my two daughters take anti-seizure medications? If the store doesn't have it, what do I do? Well, that's why I have the Jace case. It is a personalized emergency kit that contains five essential antibiotics that treat the most common and deadly bacterial infections. Jace is working continually to expand their medication offerings. They've added ivermectin as an option in the Jace case, for instance. But if you take medication, your family takes medication, you can get a year's worth of supply in your home. They'll personalize to your needs. Be empowered to care for yourself and your loved ones during unexpected turbulence. Get yours now. Go to jacemedical.com. That's jacemedical.com. Promo code BECK. The information that I'm sharing with you tonight is not speculation. It came at great cost to whistleblowers. And I want to give a huge shout out to Michael Schellenberger, Alex Gutentag, and Matt Taibbi. They are pivotal in calling out what they have dubbed the censorship industrial complex. 
everything I'm about to show you was brought to them by whistleblowers. Uh, I have links to all of this at glennbeck.com. Don't take my word for it. Do your own homework. What this whistleblower has exposed is quite possibly the most frightening example of what the government can do through public-private partnerships. There's a war going on right now, and it is being waged by our government partnered with American companies. And the target? Our speech, information, your mind. Let me show you where it starts. This story goes back to two pivotal events in 2016. Every global expert in the world was absolutely positively sure that these things were coming down the pike and Hillary Clinton was going to be president and everything was going to be fine. So what happened? Global warming, the bailouts, corruption, all this is being pushed through a meat grinder. The new stakeholder capitalism, CRT, the new world order being pushed by corporations, media, universities, Wall Street, corporations, banks, all of it. And it was about to come out in a nice little brown pile right there. And then June 2016, something happened. Remember what it was? Remember how everybody said it was the end of the world? If Brexit happened, it, Europe would implode. England would be over. You stood up in Great Britain and said, no, Brexit. Then in November, something else happened. Donald Trump, he won the election. He didn't agree with any of these things. He wasn't playing their ball. Now, this was known. Now for the unknown. Early January 2017, during the final days of Obama's presidency, a whistleblower alleges that British intelligence analyst was, quote, in the room at the Obama White House. It was then that she received instructions to create a, quote, counter disinformation project to stop a repeat of 2016, meaning these two things. Now, do you notice who they blamed for these two huge losses? Okay, they didn't blame you. They can't come out and say it's your fault, although they have now half the country is, you know, a cretin that has to be destroyed. They didn't say it was you. They say you were misinformed. Misinformation led to Brexit. Misinformation led to Donald Trump. It, it wasn't the will of the people. No, it couldn't be that. It was that you were too stupid and they needed to protect you. They labeled it misinformation. Something they could blame. Someone they could mobilize against. Something they could attack that would give them more control. Now, according to the whistleblower, the UK defense researcher... Shara Jane Turp, she showed up and she teamed up. This is this is either an idea light bulb or a fat woman pulling up her pants. I'm not sure which it is, but Sarah Jane Turp, she got together with other military and intelligence contractors from both the U.S. and the U.K. This is like Blackwater stuff. They created the Cyber Threat Intelligence League, otherwise known as the CTIL, specifically as a private partnership here. It was to specifically censor things. It was a censorship framework that would ensure the disasters of 2016 would never happen again. Well, by 2018, CTIL was working 
with our very own Department of Homeland Security. So it had become a public-private a year into it. The CTIL Slack messages show Justin Frappier from, or is it Frappier? I don't know. It's, Frappier sounds like crappier, so it should be right, but Frappier sounds French. And he's, anyway, the CISA were added to the organization's internal communications at Homeland Security. In other communications, Justin asks about disinformation resources that I assume CISA could act on. Now, I want to clarify what was going on here. This is a private military and intelligence group partnering with the U.S. and U.K. government. Why? To spy on Americans and British to make sure this stuff never happened again. By 2020, CTIL's partnership with the government was beginning to go a little more public. Uh, CISA representatives were bragging about it on Twitter this is insane. If you would think, uh, I would think if you would look up the word hubris in the dictionary, this tweet might be listed as an example. They had partnered with everybody, including the FBI. The whistleblower stated that around 12 to 20 active members of both the FBI and CISA were working with the Cyber Threat Intelligence League, CTIL who was now partnered with the government. They developed a playbook for how to handle those that they deemed were guilty of misinformation. They even gave it a cool-sounding acronym, Adversarial Misinformation Influence Tactics and Techniques, or AMIT. Now, if that sounds like something the FBI or military intelligence would employ on our enemies overseas, you're exactly right. Listen to this. Quote, Another time, the whistleblower said she had heard the head of CTIL expressed her own apparent surprise that she would ever use such tactics develop for foreign nationals against American citizens. And what were those tactics? Check this out. Create policy that makes social media police disinformation. Yeah, that's not surprising. We've seen this previously between the government and platforms like Facebook and Google and Twitter. Next, strong dialogue between federal government and private sector to encourage better reporting. This is where the words public-private partnership are invoked. So this is the point where the government wants to do something they cannot do, something unconstitutional, so they reach out to the private sector. Here's where it goes really dark. Marginalize and discredit extremists. Name and shame influencers. Stimulate misinformation or simulate misinformation and disinformation campaigns and responses to them before campaigns happen. Use banking to cut off access. Inoculate populations through media literacy training. In other words, identify the threat, isolate it. And that would be people like you and me. Next, violate privacy rights and slander people. Run war games to perfect the tactics, then assault the masses with propaganda. Last, cognitive warfare, a direct assault on how you think. Now, this was developed by military and intelligence contractors for war zones. You think the United States isn't in a war? Well, the government thinks it is, and they think the war zone is right here at your dinner table.
and the government is playing right along. Oh, we're not doing anything. CTIL used these tactics to develop international program called Disarm. The World Health Organization deployed it in Europe to push COVID vaccines. Did you know that? Disarm's website boldly brags, and I quote, Disarm has been seen through its successful deployment across a number of global agencies and country teams. These include defending democracy, supporting pandemic communication, and addressing other disinformation campaigns around the world, including the European Union, United Nations, and NATO. Disarm users also include government teams, such as in the U.S. and Canada. Defending democracy? Consider that the next time someone talks about election integrity or election interference. CTIL's uh, partnership with the government was official in 2020, just in time for the election. Now, as crazy as all of this sounds, it's only stage one. And all of it, again, glenbeck.com, all documented. First, they do an end run around the Constitution by making these public-private partnerships. Then they undermine it through compliance with international law. The First Amendment is on the ropes, and I will show you where we are when we come back. Now, I don't tell you all of this tonight to scare you or discourage you. In fact, the very opposite of that. If you think you can't do anything about all of this, if you think your voice has no power, ask yourself this. If your voice has no power, why are they so afraid of voices? Why are they trying to silence you, me, everybody else, anyone that disagrees with them? Because this is the year when you're going to see an absolute unprecedented assault on the First Amendment. And it will begin with a crisis. It could take form as a shooting, terrorist attack, virus, financial emergency. I have no idea. And that's when you'll see politician take the podium and say things like this. When you think about it, all law, all legislation is about the restriction of freedom. That's exactly what we're doing here, is we are restricting freedom, but we're doing it for the common good. You will see throughout our Constitution, yes, you have rights, but they are restricted for the common good. Everything needs to be balanced. And if your views on other people's identities go to make their lives unsafe, insecure, and cause them such deep discomfort yeah. that they cannot live in peace, then I believe that it is our job as legislators to restrict those freedoms for the common good. That was in Ireland about a month ago, and good for Ireland. That's why I don't live there. Good for Europe. That's why I don't live there. Um, we don't restrict rights here. Um, what we do is we protect rights here, and we expect citizens to behave themselves. We expect them to regulate themselves, okay? This is Ireland a month ago, using a crisis of their own to justify restrictions on speech, Laws are about the restrictions of freedom? No, they're not. This is a textbook example of what sets us apart from them. We're not talking about laws that say murder is illegal. Freedom is not a rubber stamp to shoot people in the face or steal their neighbor's car or go into the CVS and just grab everything off the shelf. This should be obvious. A government should restrict it's meddling on the people that live under it and then 
prosecute those who are breaking the laws by stealing things. The laws ensure that we are free. Freedom is the result of laws. To quote writer uh, Aaron Sorkin in the movie American President, he's got to love this. You want free speech? Let's see you acknowledge a man whose words make your blood boil, who's standing center stage and advocating at the top of his lungs, that which you would spend a lifetime opposing at the top of your lungs, end quote. That's what I believe. Does any liberal in the entire world still believe that? That's what happened on this set. Let me take you back to Ireland. Here's their media minister on the new plans and procedures to restrict speech on the Internet. On Commission is calling for those who see hate speech or other illegal content online to report it to the platforms or to Angar the Shia Khanna. This is important, but even more so important um, in next year. So, because once on Commission is fully operational next year, people will be able to report to them directly if they think a platform has ignored or wrongly rejected their complaint. Mm. And these reports can then be used by Commission Naman to decide where to focus their oversight and investigations, and ultimately their enforcement action. Finally, on Commission's first online safety code, as provided for under the Online Safety and Media Regulation Act, will be adopted in early 2024. A draft code will be published very shortly for stakeholder consultation, and this will hold the video sharing platforms accountable for how they protect their users online and will deal with extremist content like hate speech and incitement to violence. This is a new era in which the regulators and the people they serve will be empowered to make the online world safer for all okay so let's let's get this right they're partnering the irish government partnering with their own citizens to spy and rat on their neighbor wow that doesn't sound like berlin 1955 does it um enacting new laws to partner with platforms it all begins in 2024 the assault on free speech is kicking into overdrive all over europe right now and its campaign is being led directly from the united nations Many of the UN's initiatives have already been implemented by American media companies, but this goes much, much further. Let me show you a document released this month. It's called the International Covenant on Civil and Political Rights. This specific release was addressed directly to the United States, and it's a nauseating critique of how bad of a country they think we have. These are their guidelines that say we need to follow to fix our issues. Listen to this from Section C, Paragraph 5. It says it should, quote, raise awareness of the covenant among judges, our U.S. judges, lawyers, and prosecutors to ensure that its provisions are invoked before the domestic courts are taken into account in their decisions. So this United Nations doesn't sound creepy at all. Covenant uh, must be invoked by all courts, attorneys, maybe legislators, before making any of their decisions. That sounds dangerously close to international law superseding sovereign law, doesn't it? Are we to rewrite our Constitution while we're at it? No. You just dismiss it. Page 3 directly addresses limits on free speech, including the weaponization of the FBI as a resource. But don't worry. (laughs) This gets worse. We'll take a look at the actual words of this covenant in a minute. 
About four months ago, the UN Education, Scientific and Cultural Organization, UNESCO, as in the UN group that designates historic locations as World Heritage Sites, released a document, Guidelines for the Governance of Digital Platforms. Apparently, the people who now own the Statue of Liberty want to tell us, all for our own well-being, what to do. They just want to help us build what they call an Internet of Trust. Quote, the guidelines, out, uh, the guidelines outline a set of duties, responsibility, and roles for states, digital platforms, intergovernmental agencies and organizations, civil society, media, academia, a technical community, and other stakeholders. In other words, all public-private partnerships directly with state governments. Going even deeper, anytime a government wants to restrict free speech and censor, they can't legally do this. This document from the U.N. provides the blueprint on how they can do it. And that's how the assassination of the First Amendment is allowed under these guidelines. It's abundantly clear. It's everywhere. They'll say this is a conspiracy. For the love of Pete, print out the documents. This is all under the guise of, quote, international human rights laws and standards. This UNESCO document that is spreading like wildfire all across the world, and nobody's talking to you about it, reiterates this fact over and over and over again. In paragraph 5, the guidelines recognize that the application of rules and regulations in every governance system must adhere to international human rights standards, including with Article 19, Section 3. These international regulations that they're referring to and the constant invocation of Article 19, Section 3 is referenced all throughout this document. What is it? It's that creepy covenant I told you about earlier. Article 19, Section 3 talks about respecting privacy except in these conditions for the respect of rights or reputations of others. Any advocacy of national, racial, or religious hatred that constitutes incitement to discrimination, hostility, or violence shall be prohibited by law. These are just two standards. They can do with those two standards anything they wanted to do to censor Americans. Everything is racist. Everything has to do with national security and incitement, yada, yada, yada. This document is absolute insanity, and it is being passed all over the world. It proposes social media councils to oversee enforcements. They can propose codes of conducts that, that may be, quote, granted legal force, then serve as regulation. Excuse me? And by the way, Europe can have this, but because of public-private partnerships, because our government is in business with everybody else, they won't be able to do business with America if we want to stand on our own. On our own, That's the way this all comes together. This is how they shut you up. This is how the Bill of Rights dies. And if anyone cries foul, all they have to do is invoke Article 19, Section 3, international law above the state's constitution. Final thoughts in a minute. This is the year we will see an unprecedented assault on the First Amendment and free speech. Make no mistake. There is no one that will escape it. 
if we let this continue. Not you, not me, not even the former president of the United States. In fact, the leaps that they are willing to take to shut this man up is absolute insanity. I'm sure you saw over the holidays, Marie, uh, uh, Maine has now joined Colorado in removing Donald Trump from the ballot. There are at least 30 other states looking to do the same. Does this sound like democracy? It is absolutely unprecedented. And the way they're doing this is invoking Section 3 of the 14th Amendment, which states, and get this, no representative of the United States can hold office if they've engaged in an insurrection. Okay, fine. We pick and choose, I guess. You know, I'll take the steak and potatoes and the pie, but free speech and guns, no. That's not the way the Constitution works. Did I miss the part where Trump was convicted of insurrection against the United States? Or does that just need to be a charge now? Did it happen some, sometime somewhere underground in a courtroom? Since when do we convict someone who should be presumed innocent until proven guilty in a court in front of their peers? This is the Soviet Union. This is North Korea. This is China. This is America 2024, and it's a disgrace. I don't think any of these ballot fiascos are going to be allowed by the Supreme Court. And, you know, I mean, I don't think the left thinks it's going to work either. They don't. It's all about the procedure. The punishment is the procedure. You're going to be shamed. You'll be dragged through the court system. You'll be bled of cash. Your, your ability to continue your defense will be nowhere. In the end, you'll even question your own conviction. Rudy Giuliani defended Trump and paid for it in a civil court to the tune of $148 million. That doesn't even take into account the absurd cost of his legal bills. He's now penniless, regretting not taking his New York City pension. The message, you will comply. And if you don't, shame, spend the rest of your remaining life in court, go broke, enjoy banishment. You're not really a person anymore. This is how they're shutting up the figureheads. But for the rest of us, they have their public-private partnerships. Back in July, a federal judge found that the Biden White House was illegally pressuring social media censorship prim primarily over COVID. Now, just imagine how long the government can draw this fight out. As I showed you earlier, all they have to do is claim public-private partnership. Circumventing this Constitution is now a business, and it reaches all the way through every level of the bureaucracy. In their eyes, this gives them the ultimate ace in the hole. And every month that goes by, they double down. Back in November, it was reported that Biden's Department of Justice demanded Twitter to turn over all the information on all users who interacted with Trump's Twitter account. Let me tell you the good news and the bad news of this. Let me start with the bad. This is not about Trump. This is not a story about him at all. It has nothing to do with him. This is about access. This is about precedent. The government wants to shut you down, shut you up, gobble up everything that you hold as private. And if they can do it to him, they'll use that power in a second to do it to you, and they'll never give up. Now, here's the good news. This is the official search warrant from the government. I don't think that would have even been needed a few years ago. Twitter was a compliant par private partner with the government. Search warrants were for suckers. The information flowed freely between the two or was completely shut down on request. Elon Musk came around and shut it down. Something happened to the government they're not used to. They had to give up some of their power. That's why they're trying to destroy him. That's why they're trying to destroy you. Because you have the power. Your voice has power. We are fighting back. 
And that is despite their weaponization of military intelligence contractors, the FBI, justice, international law, the U.N., all of it. This year they come for our thoughts and speech and for our privacy. We have to keep the power. So keep in the fight. Good night.